my uh, my perception, and you know, other people may have different experiences, but I feel like women in this age group will fall into one of two categories. Oftentimes, it's either the one that fitness is in their DNA; they have been moving and exercising since they were in high school or a young adult or something like that. And it's no big deal to keep going. And it's not a problem. Then what I am witnessing a lot are women who have been investing a lot of time in their careers, a lot of time in their family, in their, um, in their spouses or their relationships. And all of a sudden they woken up and go, I am taking care of everybody else, but myself. Mm. And I just want to take care of myself. And so I think with having said that, one thing that the fitness industry really misses is recognizing that some women just want to carve out 30 to 45 minutes several times a week to take care of themselves. Hi, I'm Pete McCall, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is the guest for this episode, Miss Amy Connell. This was a really fun interview and a very it's a very fun and engaging conversation. And like you, Amy is a listener of the All About Fitness Podcast. She's also a personal trainer. She's the host of the Grace Health Podcast. And now she's a published author. Her book, Your Worthy Body, Find Freedom and Health by Breaking All the Rules came out this fall. And I have to admit, one of the reasons why I'm really excited is that I played a very, very small minor role in helping Amy with it. She had reached out to me some time ago and said, hey, I'm reaching, I'm writing a book. I just want to run a few things by you. And, and she really, I'm very impressed with what she has done and what she's doing. And, and all the time, you hear business experts talk about finding niche, finding niche. Well, let me take a step back. For independent service providers, whether you're an accountant, an attorney, a personal trainer, for people who work as independent service providers, the advice is always to find a niche demographic, a niche target audience that you can work with, and you focus on that audience. Rather than try to be everything to everybody, try to identify one audience who can really benefit from your services and focus on that audience. And that's exactly what Amy has done. She wants to help other women change their relationship with exercise. You're going to hear Amy talk about some of her challenges and struggles of having been an instructor for a long time and and dealing with issues that we all deal with about comfort within our own skin, comfort with our body, and what she did to overcome them. And that's her mission. Amy is really, her, her she does a great job with the Grace Health Podcast. I've been very fortunate to be on there as a guest a couple of times. Thank you, Amy. Um, I, I really enjoy speaking with her, the conversations that we have. And today is a really fun conversation. You're really going to get a lot out of this episode. You're really going to get some insights. I, I try to get, I, I like having a balance of different voices and I enjoy getting this input uh, from the female perspective because I can, I always learn from it, right? I, I as a guy, I, I tend to think one way. So I enjoy having these conversations. And for my, my, if you are a woman, if, if you're listening to this and you're a woman, I try to have a number of guests on for you. And if you are a guy, hey, this is you're going to hear some great advice that might help you with your spouse or significant other. Let's get started with this interview. Hostess of Grace Health Podcast, author of Your Worthy Body, and personal trainer, Miss Amy Connell. On All About Fitness today, it is an honor to speak with podcast hostess and, and new author, Ms. Amy Connell. Amy, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. And Pete, it is truly an honor to be here with you because I have been listening to your show for so long. So I'm really excited to be here. Well, no, thank you. And that's very, very gracious. And and we've collaborated a little bit. We've talked a little bit. And I'm really, I, I'm impressed with what you've done with, with the book, Your Worthy Body. Talk a little bit about your worthy body. What was it, Amy, that prompted you? First of all, what can what can listeners get out of the book, and why did you write it? Well, let me tell you. I'll tell you a, a little bit about it, and then I'm going to tell you what they are not going to get out of the book. 
<laughs> so your worthy body, uh, and the subtitle is find freedom and health by breaking all the rules. This is really a culmination, um, almost like a letter to myself from, you know, to 20 plus years ago, you know, you and I are about the same age, Pete, and, you know, we have gone through a lot of the same fitness evolutions and focus. So the book is really designed to take all of these health, and I'm using these in quotes, but health rules that we have heard uh, either through diet culture or the fitness industry, uh, or maybe it's just something that we've heard on or seen on BuzzFeed or a morning show, and that people really seem to glean into, but actually those rules were not designed to be executed as maybe you have heard. So I take rules that we have heard like no pain, no gain, and carbs are the enemy, and uh, she has the perfect body, and I break those using exercise science. And, you know, of course, I do quote a lot of books, you know, a lot of your books on there, Um, but I I use exercise science, I use nutrition science, and then it's all done uh, through a lens of faith as well, because that's an important element uh, to my own journey and my own story. What it's not is a how-to guide. So if someone is picking this up and if and looking for like a step-by-step how to get cut, how to lose a ton of weight, how to exercise in this specific manner, that's not what it is. But what I do is I take information, I take exercise science, nutrition science, and I what I've learned about myself, Pete, is I love the education aspect of this. I love teaching my clients as a personal trainer, the why behind what we do uh, or the why behind, you know, the way we move or, or what we eat. And it equips them to figure out what is best for them. So my hope is that it changes the mindset of why we think we need to look a certain way, why we think we need to move a particular way, why we feel shame if we miss a workout or if it gets cut short or if we pull out a frozen pizza because, you know, the perfect weeknight dinner would burned or, you know, something like that. And that changing the mindset of that to why, why we take care of ourselves and, you know, the, the, genesis of the book or the thesis of it is we take care of ourselves so we can do what we're called to do. And you can overlay that with faith or you can over, or you can take that out, you know, if that's not where you know a listener is, but it's like, what do I need to be doing with my body? Do I need to be taking care of my kids? Do I need to take, be taking care of my aging parents? Do I need to bang out this great work project? And realizing that our body is, is there to help us do the things that we need to be doing and want to be doing to love and serve others, not so it will look a certain way. And I want to, I want to touch on the faith, uh, on the faith issue as, as we go, as we go forward and, and a little bit later, because that also is a big, a, a big part of your podcast of what you do with the podcast. But let's take a step back and look at, the, at some of the rules that you blow up, because I think you do a great job of that. And that really is one of the big, as much as I love working in our industry in the fitness industry, the one thing that I don't love about it is how there seem to be a lot of barriers that keep people from getting started. And I think you do a great job of high, the rules that you talk about, I think, are also become these barriers that would keep people from walking through the doors of a health club or studio in the first place. So what's one of your favorite rules that we should just blow up and not even pay attention to? Yeah, I think you're dead on with that too, because there there are so many barriers, particularly for people who are just trying to get in and just take care of themselves. Uh, one of the one of the rules that really seems to resonate with my community, which you know, my community is you know women thirty five to fifty five, and of course it's on you know on both ends, but this rule that walking isn't a real workout, and. You and I are both you know, well-schooled, you more than me, but in, in terms of having a balanced way of moving and exercising the benefits of strength training and HIIT and all of that kind of stuff. But you know what? Putting on your shoes and going out for a walk absolutely can be a workout. And if that is what it takes for you to get your body moving and to get your heart pumping and feel what it feels like to uh, just just get moving, then that 100% is a workout. And as we age, I mean, you know this, Pete, as we get older, adding that type of thing in instead of a really uh, another high intensity workout can be the the uh, the key to injury prevention. It can be the key to overtraining or, you know, something like that. So that I would say that's one that when I talk about this to other women and to my 
readers and other podcasters, they're like, yes, okay, I can work out. I can walk and I can make it feel like it's a real workout because there's so many benefits to it. And I get into that. Well, and, and that is, I love that. And I love that you picked that rule, partly because I'm coming off of, of a period of a few weeks where I went to the Middle East. I had like three, had three things back to back to back, which is the first time since pre-pandemic that my schedule has been kind of quasi-normal, right? It's, it's kind of like, it's funny how it's like, all, it's like, wow, this seems crazy. But as I take a step back, I'm like, no, this is how life was in 2018 and 2019 was I'd go to, a, go to an event, go to an event, do a meeting. And it really, but what, the reason why I'm saying that is the flying, the traveling, the the meetings, and, and this was meetings with the parent company of, of Nautilus and Stairmaster, I wasn't doing my regular walks. Like, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm some walking guru or walking expert, but I do try to walk almost every day. Obviously, I have a dog, but if I don't walk a mile, there are some days where I try to walk at least a mile. There's a little loop around my neighborhood, but then there are other days like today, my workout today, Amy, my workout today is going to be a nice long walk. I mean, it's like yeah. I, I beat myself up for a couple of days. We, we were playing around some of our equipment. I, I, I was at a buddy's studio yesterday going heavy because I haven't been able to lift heavy for the last few weeks. And I'm feeling a little beat up today, right? And I'm feeling just a little like and, – and it's not going to be a day where if I went to the gym, I try to go through the motions and whatever. So I'm looking forward to plugging into a podcast and doing – there's going to be about – it's about a three-and-a-half-mile loop in my neighborhood. It's going to get me a little sweaty. It's not going to leave me fatigued. But I know – and this is why I do it and for listeners is why why I do it – is I know that I'm feeling a little bit – I'm feeling maybe 75 80% of my max charge if I had my little charge symbol like we see on our phone, it'd show me at about 75% right now, right? If I try to work out today, when I wake up tomorrow, my charge is going to be down at maybe 50-60%. So I'd rather have an easy workout today, easy in quotes, of going for a long walk and come back and what am I going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow I'll probably wake up at 90, 85-90% ready to rock and roll so I can train hard tomorrow. And that's really where... I think it's so important to look at the long picture, to look at the long haul. And and what I, the other thing too, I love your I love your target niche, your target audience. What do you think the industry gets wrong for women in that demographic? And I'm talking specifically women mid 30s to mid 50s because that is a huge part of the fitness industry, but personally I don't think we serve that population that well. And, and I know we might we might have some some thoughts on that, but what do you think we miss? The fitness industry, I mean, misses trying to communicate with women between 35 and 55. Yeah, that's a that's a, a loaded question. <laughs> and a great and a great one. So this is just my uh, my perception. And you know, other people may have different experiences, but I feel like women in this age group will fall into one of two categories oftentimes. It's either the one that Fitness is in their DNA. They have been moving and exercising since they were in high school or a young adult or something like that. And it's no big deal to keep going and it's not a problem. Then what I am witnessing a lot are women who have been investing a lot of time in their careers, a lot of time in their family, in their um, in their spouses or their relationships. And all of a sudden they've woken up and go... I am taking care of everybody else but myself. Mm. And I just want to take care of myself. And so I think with having said that, one thing that the fitness industry really misses is recognizing that some women just want to carve out 30 to 45 minutes several times a week to take care of themselves. Weight loss isn't necessarily the goal. I can't tell you how many of my clients, 40 plus, are like, I just want to take care of myself. I don't really care what I look like. I just need to, I need need this time for myself. Um, so that I think is one thing is don't assume, you know, if you're a fitness professional, don't assume that if someone's coming to you and she's 46 years old, that weight loss is the goal because there's often broader goals that I think are to me are more more meaningful that are more meaningful. Um in, in the time that you have together. The other thing I think that we need to remember as fitness professionals is we've got to take a holistic approach. So if you've got someone coming in and she's in her mid forties, she probably, I shouldn't say probably, but she might have teenage children, which are a beast in themselves. And she might be caring. She might be caring for her aging parents. And the, that workout that you might have 
planned for her with, you know, just heavy weights and, you know, specifically planned with all of your functional movements and all of that kind of stuff. If she's walking in with tears in her eyes saying, it's just been a really hard morning, then you've got to change that. And you've got to meet her where she is because I mean, this is something I'm learning. I certainly am not schooled enough to speak on it, but the mind-body connection is so much more intricate than I ever realized it was. And I'm just now learning about how that impact, impacts your psoas muscle, which of course your psoas muscle, you know, those hip flexors, that's in that we use that in anything that we do with the lower body. And so I've had that situation. I mean, I, I mentioned that example because I had a client do that one time and I was like, okay, we're actually not going to do the HIIT workout today. We're going to do some mobility. And I adjusted that and met her where she was. And so I think recognizing that women are in, uh, in this age group are in a really, I mean, that sandwich generation is a real thing. Uh, don't forget about our changing hormones. I have a client who uh, is going through menopause and she gets horrible migraines for like a week. And so sometimes she cancels because she can't do that. And that's her choice. And I honor that choice, or it might be that we back it off a little bit. So just be flexible, be flexible with your clients rather than expecting that they're all there because they want to lose weight and because they want to look a certain way. There might be much broader uh, goals than that. And I think having those conversations with your clients rather than just assuming is really important. I I would agree a hundred percent because what I was thinking of, Amy, as as you're as you're responding to that, what occurred to me was how many people think, how many people and there's no way to know this, right? There's no there's no way to really guess this. But how many people do you think say weight loss is one of my goals? Because we, as fitness professionals, we expect them to say that, right? I think a lot of people come in. I'm joining a gym. Well, what am they're asking me? My goals. What should I say? My goals. Well, I'm going to lose weight. I mean, yeah, yeah, I want to lose weight, and right. And I think that's I, I, how many people have that because. Personally, what I've tried to do is I've tried to say, let's not let's not focus on weight loss, right? Let's just focus on finding and maintaining a healthy body weight. I, you know, how much, in your opinion, how important is it to kind of refocus or reframe things like that? Because I don't want somebody thinking about weight loss in terms of success or failure, whatever, but I want somebody thinking about, okay, what can I do to find and maintain a body weight that's healthy for me? Do you think that type of language, do you think it's important to watch our language just in general as we talk about fitness? I'm laughing, Pete, because yes, I absolutely do think it's important. I think as fitness professionals, we need to watch our language. And in terms of reframing that mindset, I 100% agree. And I actually spend a lot of the time in my, in my book where I'm really trying to challenge the mindset that we have, that we have to look a certain way, that we have to be a certain body, um, uh, you know, a, a body fat percentage, or, you know, that we have to maintain or meet these current body ideals because those body ideals, and I'm, you know, I, want to use those in quotes if you're just listening to this through you know through your ears those are different across cultures those are different across um I mean, so many different areas you know it might be where you live um it might be again your culture of origin and so we can't just assume that that's what it is and so i think shifting our mindset from having our body look a certain way to having it function a certain way is critical and that will help us feel successful and help our clients feel successful when they are on that journey. Because then if they have a broader perspective and a a bigger goal rather than just weight loss, then um, that's going to help them feel successful. And that's going to keep them motivated, keep them moving because even you could even have a client who might be reducing her adipose tissue and gaining muscle and, but the scale isn't, you know, the scale isn't any different. Well, that doesn't make, I mean, who cares? (laughs) You know, you're getting stronger. You are supporting your skeletal system. So that way, if you fall, you're not going to break a hip because that's, you know, such a common thing. So it's, again, having a longer term perspective. um, You know, it's funny, some of my clients, I mean, like their greatest success stories have been, wow, I went on a European vacation and touring and we walked and I felt great the whole time. Or, I, I didn't feel that creaky back when I was getting out of bed. And I think those are the kinds of things that if we can, if we can, as fitness enthusiasts or as fitness professionals start to reframe that mindset, that will help keep that, that momentum going and keep that um, healthy lifestyle 
going and, and not get discouraged when maybe, you know, maybe the scale doesn't say, or maybe your body doesn't uh, change significantly, but you have more stamina, you have more functionality, that kind of thing. And that's where I think people, it's like, I, I don't know, you and I are probably alike that if we could snap our fingers, that'd be the one thing that we can instantly change is get this, get this idea of like, okay, what we look like, it's important, right? We all want to look good. But we want to be able, I think it's more important to be able just to control our, our vessel or control our body. And that's one of the things I really respect about what you do with your approach to it. And you take a faith-based approach. And I've talked about this a little bit before on the podcast of where I grew up. My father was a Lutheran minister, but he left the church when I was about 10, 11 years old. And so I have my own interesting relationship with, with religion. But I really respect those people that make their faith a priority in their lives and, and I also I, I respect the fact that, that the faith-based community has been really understanding the fact that exercise should play a role in that community. Because in my opinion, and this is relatively late, right? This is relatively objective. I would never qualify myself as an atheist or agnostic or anything like that. I'm just not overtly religious. But our body was given to us by a higher power, by a being. And we, I, in my opinion, we owe it to that, to that being to take damn good care of this thing, right? It's only the only gift we have in, in this lifetime. So what was it? What? Did, how do you try to marriage fitness and faith? And, and what role does fitness play in faith? And what role does your faith play in, in, in fitness? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. But it's, I, think, <laughs> I mean, it's like just dive right on in, right? Because I think there's a lot of, I think there are a lot of consistencies. But let me, let me say this. I think a better way to say it is they're not mutually exclusive. Meaning that if you are in a fitness, there is space for a faith-based life. And likewise, if you are, if you really are an adherent to your faith, I think there's still, I think you can easily find room for fitness with that. Yeah, I absolutely, I, I completely agree. And I think that it can be a little challenging sometimes too, because from, um, from a faith-based perspective and particularly my faith, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. I, I, I don't use the word Christian as much. I am a Christian, but sometimes that that can, you know, some people have had a lot of religious trauma. And so I want to, <laughs> I feel like if I say, well, I'm just trying to be like Jesus, then that's a, a little more accepting. But um, the, where it really comes down to for me is we take care of our body so we can do what we're called to do. And I talk about this over and over in the book because we were created, like you said, we were, it's a gift. We were created to love others and to serve others. And the best thing that we can do to do that is to take care of our body. Um, so that is really, I mean, it all, to me, it all comes down to that. And that is where I give myself a lot of grace when I, you know, don't execute that nutrition like I feel like I, I, I could, or when I'm missing a workout or when my body is saying, Hey, Amy, maybe you've had, you know, a little too much food in general, or a little too much of your, your sweet treats or something like that, then it's, um, okay. Am I being able to do what I'm called to do? And, and if I may Pete real quickly, I, I break this down into five different aspects of, of our calling. And I want to talk about it a little bit because sometimes you hear this word calling and it's like, you know, this big, like God, or, you know, comes down and Amy, I want you too. And it's this real big thing. And so that is one. If I could interject in there just one second, because I used to watch my father every Sunday and I was a young boy, so I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old, but my father in his sermons would sometimes talk about my calling, meaning his calling into the ministry, his calling to serve. So when you say that I'm getting this flashback, I'm getting this like insane flashback of being a young boy, seeing my father up on, on, on the, you know, up on the front of the church I can't remember if it's the altar or the pulpit. That's that shows how I hear. <laughs> no, but but I but I hear that I can hear my father saying my calling, meaning he's meant to serve. So sorry. It just it yeah. just that was an interesting little memory bubble. Well, and that's a great example. So that is what I would call a macro calling. Like he felt at some point, he felt like, okay, I need to go into ministry. And so that is a really, that's what I would call a big macro calling. And that is for some people, but other people, it might be something smaller. So I have um, another one that I have is kind of on the opposite side, which is what I call a micro calling. And that might be that I need to 
eat a, a quality lunch. So that way I have enough energy to do the things that I need to do that afternoon or to have enough energy that I can not turn into a really terrible mom at the end of the day, because I'm so ex- exhausted. You know, these teenagers, ah, oh, they come alive at night though. <laughs> you know, so you know, little things like that. I mean, the, that's what I would call a micro calling. Um, there are what I call creative callings. So it might be that, you know, you are a, um, you know, maybe you sew or you knit or you cook or you, I mean, just, you know, all of these different ways, maybe you're just, you know, maybe you like to choreograph uh, either if you're a Zumba instructor or you like to choreograph different types of movement uh, to support people moving themselves. To me, that's all creative. And so it's using that to be able to help others or to serve others. And so, you know, it might be that you just, you throw really great you know, parties and that, and which brings people together and it, and it promotes fellowship and it promotes, um, you know, just joy within your neighbors or your friend group or something like that. There are what I call servanthood callings. So maybe that is you are walking along someone who is, uh, like your dad, you know, those with that big macro calling, but it's something smaller and it may not get the credit, but they couldn't do it without you and they need that support. And then I have what I'm calling, uh, what I call a seasonal calling. So it's something for a period of time and you're doing whatever that is, and then you move on to something else. And so it might be that you are, um, you know, involved in the corporate world. And then, you know what, I'm going to shift and I'm really going to focus on some nonprofit stuff. Or it might be that you're a fitness instructor and then you maybe back off into more educational aspect or, you know, something like that. So I think that there's a lot of different ways that we can interpret that, but I want to, I like to clear that up because sometimes people hear, well, I don't know what, I don't know what my calling is, so I'm just not going to bother with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think when we look at it a few different ways, then we can recognize that again, what we're doing, what, how we're moving our body, how we're fueling ourselves, how we're taking care of our sleep, how we're taking care of our mental health, all of that will impact our ability to use our body to love others and to serve others. Well, how did this end up being one of the questions I'd wanted to talk to you about was how did, how did you end up making fitness your calling? Because I think you're well suited for that. And I'm interested. I don't, I don't know this about you. I don't know. I mean, obviously you're a mom to two kids and, and your wife and you, and you have that and you're, you're, you're juggling those responsibilities. But at what point did you make that decision, Amy, that I want to, I, I want to be a fitness instructor or a trainer and I want to help others improve their lives through exercise. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'm one of the people who I just kind of grew up moving. I grew up dancing. I I would go to the YMCA and go to group fitness classes. I was in the corporate world for six years. And then when I had my first son, who actually on the day that we're recording this, he turns 18 today. So that was 18 years ago. I had my first son and my husband and I had decided that, okay, you know, I wanted to be able to stay at home with him. And I was super privileged that we could make that call. I know not everybody can. And I... It, it's a lonely place and, and, you know, you're up all night and you're tired. And I mean, all the things of having a newborn. Well, I knew a girl who had opened a studio that was specifically for pre and postnatal mm. fitness clients or clients. And so we would all come together and you just shared, you know, we would share war stories of like, who got the least sleep and, you know, who's, you know, nursing was the hardest for this person or what do we do about naps? And it really created this wonderful community. And I really think that, um, that having that helped me through that really challenging time of transitioning from someone in the corporate world to being a stay at home mom. Cause that is a thankless thankless job, especially with newborns. So I loved that community. And then shortly after we had my uh, son, about nine months later, we moved and the community that we moved into didn't have anything like that. And I knew how critical it was for me and my own mental health and my well-being and my physical well-being. So I went to uh, the, I'm, I'm, I'm in Texas. So, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. And we had this big, huge uh, master plan communities. Like I think as I, as I, speak, there are like 26,000 people who live in my neighborhood. It's just stupidly large, but (laughs) we didn't have anything, any kind of pre and postnatal thing. So I went and I said, look, look, this was so impactful to me. I would really like to start a program like that. So it started there. And then I moved into, you know, medium-sized gyms because they had free childcare and I could... (laughs) 
<laughs> and I loved teaching and I loved having, helping people move. And I also really loved having a break from my children. So that's, <laughs> it, it kind of snowballed into there. So I spent a lot of time as a group fitness instructor and then went into the personal training certification, um, several years ago, I just felt like it was time to do that next, that next step. Well, and, and talk about that because there be there are some people out there, Amy, who I firmly believe they're like you and I. They they may have gone down one path to start their career, and they 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 love the gym, they love that environment. They're like, well, how do I make? A lot of people don't know how to make to shift that career and become an instructor. So, what was it like when you made that decision? Number one, how scary was it to make that decision? But then talk a little bit for listeners about what you did to become an instructor and how you started navigating that path. Well, again, I, I do want to overlay this with I was really privileged that I had control over there and I wasn't I didn't rely on um, my fitness income to you know put food on the table or anything like that. So my path was I just started small. I went through, I got uh, certified through um, AFA which is now under the NASM umbrella. And that's where I ended up getting my personal trainer certification from. And I just started teaching a handful of classes a week and then grew from there. I will say, as I've gotten older, I think that's one of the reasons that I shifted more into personal training. You know, when you're a fitness instructor, I mean, people will take you anytime and you can easily end up teaching 15 classes a week which is somewhat the antithesis of what I am trying to get people to realize is we can't overtrain our body. We can't use our bodies too much. So for me, training really seemed to be a next natural step because I could help people with their individual movements and their individual bodies, because that's another thing that, you know, going back to your, one of your earlier questions, women in their forties, we've, we've got issues. I mean, we, they have D issues, they have back issues. They have, I mean, you name it, there are lots of different issues. And so being able to focus on that individually rather than guide that in a class of 20, 30, 40 people was really important to me. So I don't do as many of the, the large classes uh, as much anymore because I have found that I've got to protect my own body. And uh, I'd like to focus on those individual um those individual sessions and well, as well. And then honestly, the book really kind of came out of having these conversations with people and I might not be able to work with them and I not, may not be able to train them, but I want to give them a resource. And so this is something that I'm hoping that I can give them and, and uh, let them learn and figure out what's best for them. Uh, sort of like a little personal trainer in your pocket. <laughs> Well, and don't we? No, I love that because people, a lot of times people have the same questions. You can kind of come up with a FAQ, frequently asked questions from clients. But one of the things, Amy, that I think a lot of listeners might not understand is when you first become an instructor, you're so charged up that you're, you're leading these workouts and you're, you're so excited to be in front of an audience. And, and some of us crave the limelight. Let's, let's not talk about it. It's fun. It's I'm fun. I'm guilty of that, right? You, you get used to being in an audience. But where I'm going with this is at some point you learn how not to do the workout. Because when you're young and you start doing this, it's like, oh, I'm going to do every workout I teach. At some point you hit a report like, wait a minute, I'm not burning calories for other people. I'm much better off as a coach guiding that. And it was, you know, I mean, I used to teach like 12 to 15 classes a week. And there, there are certain classes I barely did anything. I would demonstrate one or two things. But other than that, I was walking around, I was guiding, I was, I was coaching and everything. So did it take a while? How was it that you kind of made that evolution from instructor to trainer? Was that because you, you, you A, felt yourself getting beat up or B, was it because you thought you could have more of a personal, you could maybe have more of a, an effect on somebody or more of a contribution to somebody's journey by working with them one-on-one? I think it was more the second, but really the the, the shift from group, group X to personal training was I, I wanted to know more and I wanted to learn more because and some of it was selfish because my body was aging. My body was, you know, I constantly had a little tweaked, 
you know, pure formis or, you know, and like all of these things. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what is going on. And yeah, some of it was due to overuse, overtraining. Uh, one of the things, you know, going back to the coaching, I tell my, whenever I do larger groups, I'm like, you're paying me for you to work out. You're not paying me for me to work out. Yeah. And I do think you and I, I think I had a little bit of a conversation over Instagram on this because that that's another mindset that I think we need to shift because I can't tell you how many people I have spoken with. Like, if I'm working hard, I want to see my instructor working just as hard. I'm like, why, 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 you know, this is your workout and it's, and you've got to own it. And sometimes you want to work really hard and sometimes you need permission to just kind of back off and make it a medium workout, not a hard workout. Amy, let's be honest. If if we could burn calories for other people, or if our job was really to compete against people, we'd be charging five times as much, right? If I could, if I could burn calories for you during the workout while I'm teaching a class, I'd be charging 500 bucks a class, right? I'd be charging a lot more money per class. Or if you want to compete against me because that gives you a better workout, well, let's sit down because I only got one or two workouts and I don't coach. I try not to do the classes I coach or teach because it's for the people in the class, not not for me, not for me personally. And do you think that kind of mindset, I mean, that, that kind of comes with maturation, But do you think that that kind of mindset really helps create more community? Do you think being more of a coach as opposed to I'm going to do the instructor? Because you keep coming back to community, and I want to to talk about that for a second. Do you think being that kind of that facilitator and coach in front of a class, do you think that creates more of a community rather than being that follow me and do what I'm doing instructor? I th- I definitely think so because it takes the the focus off of you as the person in the front of the class and it allows you to really focus on the your participants or your clients and it gives you the chance to go Sandy, great job. Your planks are looking fantastic. Or Kelly, wow, you're, you know, you're, you're jumping higher today. And all of a sudden they feel like they are part of it. They feel like they are being honored and their hard work is being honored. Or, you know, it might be, um, Hey, Susan, I know you've had a really rough night. I'm so proud of you for showing up. And so that kind of thing, I think it brings them in and it makes them recognize, uh, that they can, that they can honor themselves and that they can be proud of themselves for whatever it is they're doing, even if it's just showing up and and not giving it their all, that's okay. And I think that when you are in front and you are trying to be the highest jumper and the best pusher upper and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, then that's really drawing, um, drawing the attention to you. And that's not why they're there. They're there for their own reasons and their own goals. And so when we take ourselves out of the equation and focus back on the clients and the participants, then that's where they start to feel like they are part of the community because they're hearing their name, they're hearing hearing other people's names, and that will just help grow. And it helps them feel like they belong. So they will keep coming back. And I love this concept of community because as I was preparing for this interview and thinking about it, because to me, that is where the two, that's where the two biggest parallels between fitness and between faith-based lie is that you are with a community of like-minded individuals. If you're teaching that that Monday evening step class or you're teaching that Thursday morning <clears throat> high-low dance class and people come to it consistently, they want to be a part of that community. They want to be a part of that thing. It's kind of like going to church. If you're Whether you're a Christian or a Sikh or a Muslim or a Jew, whatever you might be, you go to it. You go to your, your place of worship because you are following a similar people who have a similar mindset and similar values. So with your opinion, I mean, how is it? I mean, are there parallels and what are those parallels between like a fitness-based community and a faith-based community? Is it community? Is it just that being community or, or in your opinion and your experience, where are those parallels? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think one thing is, and I'm going to have to explain this a little bit, but one thing is the language <laughs> that you use. So, you know, when you are strictly in a fitness environment, um, like just, let's just take CrossFit because CrossFit has done a really great job of, of building communities. You know, you go in there and you see something on a whiteboard that says WOD. Well, if you've been to CrossFit, you know that that means workout of the day or, you know, AMRAP, AMRAP. So that's, you know, as many reps as possible, as many rounds as possible, depending. And that kind of has developed its own language. Uh, and so once you're part of that community, you kind of know, and you're, you're into that, you know, in, in terms of the, um, the adding the faith element on it, 
you know, for me, and you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too deep in here, but for me, it's really adding the, the, the faith element helps keep it as a, for a broader perspective and helps me remember why I'm doing what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for, because it's not just about me and, you know, everybody's going to have their own different things in there. But for me, I, um, you know, I want to take care of my body because I want to, um, I want to be honoring to my creator. I want to be honoring to God. Um, I want to be able to do the things to, um, like I, you know, I, I keep saying love others and serve others, but that's really what it is. And, you know, even going back to that last question, you know, it, uh, to me, I'm loving others and serving others when I'm encouraging them instead of doing the workout, you know, myself, but, you know, there are certain words, I don't want to say words, but sometimes it's just, it kind of comes out in conversation that has that faith element. And then it's kind of like, okay, we're all on the same page and we can go from there rather than starting to fight this, um, you know, maybe fight, I don't want to say theories, but um, ideas that maybe are not consistent with where your own personal um, uh I'm sorry, I'm really having a hard time with the right word, but you know, where, where your personal convictions lie. And so sometimes having that uh, faith aspect with the fitness can be um, beneficial and can be complementary to your faith. Obviously, it doesn't have to be, and there are fantastic fitness professionals who are not part of any faith at all. And, and they, you know, they lead really well, but there are, but there is definitely, I think a common bond. Um, sometimes when you do get like, like, like you said, like-minded individuals, um, within the faith aspect, and that kind of gives you at the same starting point and growing from there. I hope that makes sense. No, and it does. And, and that kind of, do you think there are people, and it probably is more with more women than men, because what I have found in my experience, and ugh, I hate, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to mansplain anything by any stretch of the imagination, but from what, what I've experienced in my life, Amy, is that women are much more concerned about how their actions impact others or how what they do impacts others than a guy. A guy sometimes has blinders on and just goes, I'm doing this and I'm not thinking about others. I can, at least from my experience, like I've definitely been known to do that a few times, right? <laughs> Whereas I think sometimes women are like, well, I don't know if I want to do that because of how it, how it impacts others. So where I'm going with that, have you seen women, once you point out to them that, that doing this allows you, they might have had a barrier, they might have had a barrier to starting a fitness program because they felt that their first priority was taking care of their family or their, they felt their first priority was taking care of their parents or whatever their role was that they felt they had to, to, to serve others and they therefore they couldn't put themselves first. So in the way that you contextualize fitness is having the ability to do your calling. Have you seen that make a change? Has that helped people learn how to make fitness a part of their life? Yeah, I think so. And because I think there are a lot of layers to this. And again, this is, this does, this is not all women, but I've heard, I've, had a lot of conversations with a lot of different women and many of them will say, I have had this continual narrative in my head and you know, people around us may not hear it because it's all, it's just this horrible, obnoxious roommate in our head. That's just going along saying your body's not good enough. You're not doing enough working out. You're not eating well enough. You need to be drinking water. I mean, like you get it. And I think just taking that and adding that element of grace, you know, my, my whole platform all everywhere is, is graced health and adding that element in, I think can help people go, ah, okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, that's one of the best compliments I've gotten on my podcast from people is they're like, I listen to that. And I, you just make me feel like it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm like, yes, it does not have to be perfect because we have a lot of really fantastic fitness leaders out there who have wonderful things to say, but sometimes we forget that we're human and we're broken and we're not going to get it all right. And we need that grace and we need that permission to, to not feel like it has to be perfect all the time. Well, no, I, I love that because especially with some of the spokespeople that we have in fitness, right? <clears throat> we see these these men and women, and, and it's intimidating to me, and I've been doing this a long time. You see these men and women with like these perfect bodies and and they're uber muscular and they're they're super toned and super ripped. And you're like, 
you know, I'm like going, shit, do I need to look like that? You know, right? And I try not to cuss on the podcast, but literally there's sometimes. That's I'm how like, you feel. Yeah. You're like, do I really need to look like that? Do I, is that really what I aspire to? Do I have to have ab off of ab, whatever? And, and it becomes overwhelming and intimidating. But I love this fact of like, it doesn't need to be flipping perfect. And because I've said for years, Amy, you can debate about the type of exercise to do, right? You can debate about yoga or Pilates or whatever, whatever, whatever. That to me, those debates are really boring and really trite. I don't don't want to go down there. But but what I because what we know is this: if you're not moving, if you're not exercising, you take years years off your life. Now, if you exercise and are active on a regular basis, and by that I mean every day, at the minimal, we should be walking 15, 20 minutes a day at minimum for for moving towards a healthier life. But I really don't care what you do. I really don't. The what doesn't matter. Just do something. Do something. Where would you suggest if you're talking? If, if you're if there's that woman there who's between around four in her early 40s mid 40s who's had that challenge about she's been that yo-yo yo she'll start for a while stop start stop for whatever reason if you could impart some message on that woman or, or maybe there's a guy listening who has a wife a sister a spouse that falls in that category what message would you deliver to say you know what how would you how would you yeah. get encourage them what, just to start the journey i would say i would start that with a question of what do you like doing or what do you hate the least? And if they don't have any answer for that, then what I would say is get some shoes that fit your feet. Don't pull out the shoes that are eight years old, that are the soles are worn down. And I know that there's a lot of different debates about footwear, but I would say get some shoes and and lace them up and go for a walk and, and just start there and just create that habit. I think the most successful thing that you can do is find something that you can be consistent at. And so to your point of yoga, Pilates, uh, I mean, all of the different things, they're all there for a reason. And that's because there's no one right way to work out. We absolutely know the benefits of strength training. We absolutely know the benefits of high intensity training, and we can incorporate that in at the right time. But if you're just getting going and you're feeling overwhelmed with all of the shoulds uh, you know, that you you feel like you're supposed to be doing, then just start with whatever you can do to stay consistent. Um, you know, and maybe that is walking. Maybe that's more of a home based workout program. There's a lot of really great ones out there right now. Maybe that is um, you know just getting on your bike. I mean, get on your turquoise bike with the basket on the front and just go around your neighborhood if it's safe. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't have to be something that you're seeing on Instagram. It doesn't have to be something and. And these people are, um, they're, they're empowering and they're educating and they're motivating, but that might not be where you are. And so you got to meet yourself where you are and just get consistent. And then I promise once the consistency comes, then you might be like, you know, I've been walking a while. I wonder what it would be like to run from this stoplight to the next stoplight. Or I wonder what it would be like if I did a few walking lunges or, you know, whatever it is. And that's when you go into it. It's the, you know, we're coming up on the new year and, and I love that, you know, and I get it right. Like I'm, I'm saturated with all the things I'm saturated with the food. I'm saturated with the desserts and with the wine and like all of that. And December or January comes and I'm ready for something new, but I get a little cringy at the, in January because the, you know, new year, new you, which what's wrong with you in December? Like, screw that. No, um, 100%. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Why not start in December? Cause I think people get this mindset of like, eh, who cares about December? I'll get started again in January. So December is like, just let's, I always call it December, and when you look at a periodization schedule, in my mind, December is always the energy storage phase, right? We, we <laughs> store some extra energy between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's. We have about five and a half, six weeks there. That's where we store energy, right? But don't store too much but because right. you, you have to take that off. Well, and it's this pendulum swing. And so I think a lot of times we're like, oh, well, December is storage in energy storage season and January is going all in season. And I will say, because my, my husband has uh, pushed back on me some, because I'm like, just, you know, he's like, no, I need, he's like, I need a little bit more strictness, you know, in January. And so I have to remember that not everybody is like me, but I think when we go in with all of this wonderful, you know, this, this new program, and I'm going to work out five times a week, and I'm going to, you know, adopt this type of 
diet culture programming or, you know, whatever it is, we're setting ourselves up to be disappointed in ourselves because that is really hard to maintain. So I would rather see, Hey, let's just start by moving. Let's start by maybe drinking a glass of water before your first cup of coffee in the morning or adding in some cucumbers with your lunch or, you know, just really small things. And that will, um, help you feel successful and keep you, keep you moving, no pen intended to this healthier lifestyle rather than going all in and saying, I'm doing this for a period of time. And then all my problems are going to be solved, which PS they're not. And, (laughs) and then, you know, going in. So I just think, I think that we don't hear enough messaging from the fitness industry of moderation of small baby steps of, um, making it work for you and allowing yourself to modify again with that, you know, with my age group, we might need to modify things. We might need to do things differently. And we're not, in my opinion, we're not hearing enough of that. I think that's one reason why I'm drawn to your books and your podcast, because we get that from you, but we need more of that. We need more of that. Well, thank and then thank you, thank you for that. But, but what I was going to ask too, is specifically for that, for, for women, your age, what role does strength training play, Amy? Because I think you do a great job of talking about that in the book, and I know yeah. you're a component of it. But what role – first of all, what's been your journey? We're about to wrap it up here, so I only got one or two more questions. What's been your journey in relation to strength training, resistance training, whatever you want to call it, but lifting weights? And why? what role does that play for you? What's been your journey? And why is that so important for, for people in your age group and your demographic? Strength training, you know, it's funny. I – the first time I remember specifically like strength training again was back at that YMCA class in the late, when was it? Probably late nineties uh, and going there and thinking, this is really cool. And, and I liked seeing the results of my, on my body. I happened to have one of these bodies with the genetics of showing my biceps. I mean, my mom has great deltoids and she never lifts anything. It's just, you know, for me, it's just genetics. I have really muscular, strong legs. And so for me, strength training was a fun way of seeing how I could, you know, move my body in different ways and, uh, and just getting stronger. I think, um, strength training, you know, for women, there's this, you know, one of the chapters in my book is called, I don't want to bulk up which again is a rule to break. And I go into that of like, just because you're lifting heavy weight doesn't mean you're going to bulk up. There's, there's a whole lot of thing, other things that go into that. And, you know, what does that even mean to you anyway? Again, it's kind of like challenging the mindset of that, but I am a big proponent of strength training because number one, as women, as we're getting older, I want to protect my clients' frames. If they trip on a dog bone, I want them to be able to catch themselves um, and have the strength so that their knee doesn't get blown out or that they can that they can respond to life as it comes rather than not having the musculature around that to protect them when life comes. Because we're, you know, we may be going to cost and this probably isn't a popular thing to say among everyone, but you know, you go and you buy the 30 pack of the water bottles, which, you know, yes, we use the reusable ones. Don't worry, (laughs) but I'm still, you know, we're still getting those. And that's, I don't know how many pounds that is. So being able to do those kinds of things is important because that's where the tweaks come. That's where the injuries come. It's not necessarily when you are on a bench doing bench press. It's more of like, when life happens and your body's not ready to respond to that. So that's one reason why I want my client strength training. You know, the other thing too, and women are forties and beyond, um, as, as much as I can talk about taking away how your body looks, the other reality is we still have sarcopenia, which is that, you know, the deterioration of our muscles and that impacts your metabolism. So women who are not wanting to, uh, they're wanting to manage that, uh, those weight fluctuations that may happen in their forties and beyond, and particularly after menopause, strength training is a great way to do that. So that's another thing that's, you know, I think not to be discounted that if you are trying to, you know, not have too much of a, of a fluctuation in your weight. Uh, and again, I don't really like focusing on the weight, but I know that that is something that's important to women. So I'm trying to walk that balance there, but yeah, adding in that strength training will really help protect you now and prepare you for the future. And again, for those long-term goals and going back to what we were talking about, being able to do what you're called to do. And so, you know, 
just having your body strong enough to do whatever it is uh, of where life takes you. And that's, and I think that's so important because so many people, again, they get into that trap of, I need to look a certain way, be a certain way. And I think a lot of it too, Amy, is, is being in our forties, at least for me, being in my forties has been a lot more of just like, you know what, this is who I am. Yeah. It's who I am. And I, I don't like this whole idea of like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. It's just, it's like, this is who I am. It's going to resonate with some people. You know what? It's not going to resonate with everybody. Some people will, you know, the people you attract, you, your, your vibe, what's it? Your vibe attacks your tribe. Your, your vibe attracts your tri- your tribe. Uh, I can't say that right. Let me try it again. <laughs> your vibe attracts your tribe. And I think that's really where that messaging becomes important. Now, the last question I have, and, and this might be an important one, but if we could invent, so say Doc Brown shows up at your house, he has a DeLorean time machine, the crazy hair and everything, and says, all right, Amy, we're going to go <clears throat> We're gonna go back and we're gonna see your 20, 22-year-old self, and you can share a little bit of advice with your 20-year-old self about your approach to fitness. What would you travel back in time, and what would you tell your 20, 22-year-old self about your, your coming fitness journey? Yeah, um, <laughs> It's funny. I think if that were to happen from a from a physical fitness perspective, 100% hands down what I would tell my earlier self is, you know that yoga class that you were so bored in and you didn't think that you were doing any good because you weren't huffing and puffing and weren't sweating? If you keep doing that, you will protect yourself and you will not get injured nearly as much as you would. Uh, back in my 20s, I'd never heard the concept of mobility work, which is you know, I mean, you know what it is, but it's moving those, those joints in all different directions and moving your connective tissue in a lot of different ways, which helps. I mean, you just did a quick fitness tip on this, you know, moving your connective tissue in, in lots of different ways, which helps prevent injury. So that is the one thing that I wish I could tell my, my, my past self is, um, you know, chill the F out <laughs> with your working out, like take it down and, and it, do some yoga, do some mobility, do some things that will really, uh, complement and treat your body better in the long run. Even if you're not sweating, even if you're not having and puffing. Right. I mean, it, well, here's the other thing too. You, you whisper yourself buy Apple, buy Amazon. When it's- <laughs> That'd be the other, that'd be the other thing to impart, right? Is when you go back is you go back and you want to give them that, but it was like, when Apple two dollars a share, buy whole, do not sell your Apple stock. Right. But I mean, obviously, um, but no, that, but that, I really think that's good advice because as we go back, there are a lot of things that we do with the hubris of youth, especially in fitness that I think could be reworked. So Amy Connell, the book is your worthy body. The podcast is graced health. Give, give listeners information, how they can find out more about what you're doing and more about the content that you produce. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yes. I am Graced Health, G-R-A-C-E-D online. I tend to hang out mostly on Instagram, uh, though I do have um, a, face, a presence on Facebook and Twitter as well. The book you can buy at Amazon and I'll provide you the link, but just if you just want to type in your worthy body, I think it's the only one out there. You can put my name in if you want, but I would love to connect. I would love to um, get this in people's hands to give them the, the exhale of having to look so much or you know, look, look a certain way or work out a certain way. Uh, this in part is a, a letter to myself to, you know, to my past self. And, you know, you didn't ask this, but I'm just going to throw it in anyway, that I think that what I would do also is, is tell myself your body is there for a reason bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. and take care of it for that. Not necessarily. So you can get that belly button ring, which you're never going to get by the way, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I would love to do that. This is a great one for, you know, for your guys listening. Um, there might be things in there that don't resonate with you, but might resonate with the woman in your life. So your, your mom, your sister, your wife, um, anything like that. Cause I would, I would love to help women kind of release that, that focus of only, I have to look good to this is bigger than myself. And this is how I'm going to learn how to take care of my uniquely created body best. Awesome. Well, Amy, hey, I really appreciate your time and you crushed it. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you. You too. And I, and thank you again um, for all that you've done. Yeah. You were definitely mentioned in the back and 
Your Smarter Workouts is quoted, I think, more than any other book. That one, and then Kelly McGonigal's Joy of Movement. That's a really great one too, which kind of is incorporated with all of that. But thank you for your, thank you for having me. And hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about exercise, more specifically, if you want to learn a little bit more about how exercise can slow down the aging process in your body, you can pick up a copy of my book, Ageless Intensity, High Intensity Workouts to Slow Aging. And that's been my focus for the past number of years. I mean, that's why I started the podcast. It's why I wrote the book. I've written a number of articles. I've, I've spoken at conferences and workshops around the world to teach personal trainers how exercise and how exercise program design can help mitigate many of the effects of the aging process. And that's the thing we're seeing is we're seeing this is a changing society and this is now the oldest, fittest people we've ever had. Anyway, I wrote Ageless Intensity because it can help you use exercise to manage the aging process. Check down below in the show notes for a link and it'll be arriving in your house two or three days after you click it. This was a fun conversation. I say, you know, look, I, I have this conversation for you and I also have this conversation for me. Because when I have this conversation, I'm trying to get different insight and input into how we use health and fitness to enhance our quality of life. Sometimes I have researchers on here. Sometimes I have medical doctors. Sometimes I have strength coaches. Because they all have different input. And that's, again, why I enjoy having a conversation like this with Amy, who really is, I greatly respect the fact that she's very faith-based. Because it just makes me think differently and also makes me appreciative. And when you take a step back and whatever whatever deity, higher power you believe in, you, know, you take a step back, we got it pretty good. You know, I feel I have it pretty good. I don't really have any outstanding debts. I live in a great spot in Southern California. I have a good relationship with my family. I have you listening right now. You're listening to me ramble on about exercise. So I got it pretty good. And when I speak with somebody like Amy or anybody who's really faith-based, it, it always reminds me of that and that I really am very fortunate today. You know, you know what I mean? Anyway, I, that just always, I always appreciate that. And Amy has a very good outlook on exercise. She has a very good outlook on life. That was a fun conversation for me, and hopefully you enjoyed it and got something out of it. If you want to follow me on Instagram or on YouTube, I try to post videos of these interviews up on YouTube as well. You can go to All About Fitness Podcast. That's All About Fitness Podcast on both Instagram and YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter, PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness on the Twitter. And you can go to my blog, Pete McCall Fitness. I put stuff up there. If you join the mailing list on Pete McCall Fitness, I'll send you a chapter from Smarter Workouts. And you'll get great stuff in your email box. One or two times a month, great information about how to use exercise to enhance your quality of life. That's my mission here at All About Fitness, trying to help you help yourself. And you can also reach me, Pete, at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. And hey, as always, thank you for stopping by. And I do look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.